All right, everyone, it is time for another episode of the Saved Podcast. I am your host, Kelsey. I am so thankful that you are here today. I hope just listening to this podcast is a blessing to you today and gives you some encouragement and brings you closer to the Lord. I cannot believe that we are already at episode number nine, I think. I'm hoping because if I go back and I check and I find out that this is actually like episode eight or actually episode 10 and I have to re-record this whole thing, I'll be really disappointed in myself. But no matter, it has been a great journey so far and I look forward to the journey to come. Thank you so much to everyone who sent out questions in the last week, either to our Instagram or to the email. Um, Like I promised on last week's episode, a sticker will be in the mail with your name on it. And also, I am going to answer some of your questions today. I don't know if I'll get to all of them, um, but they are wonderful and I appreciate them. And if I don't get to them this week, I'll get to them next week. And I hope that also, if you haven't had the chance to send in a question to the podcast yet, I hope you do that here in the next week and that you send me your question and your address so I can send you a sticker because I think they're super cool. And if you're wondering what they look like, check out our Instagram. Speaking of our social media accounts and contact information, and even where you can send these wonderful questions too, we have the email address, thesavedpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you go to at the saved podcast on Instagram, you'll find us there. That's getting up and running and welcome to all of our new Instagram followers. And also there's a Twitter that uses that same handle and I haven't really launched that yet other than put a picture on it. So you know that it's legit me uh, on the account. But other than that, that one should be going up and getting more attention soon. So that's where you can find me throughout the week when I am not podcasting. I hope to just be sharing encouragement and announcements and truth on those accounts, and I hope that they bring you life until the next podcast comes out in the next week. So again, just thank you for everyone's support and love as the podcast has gotten up and going. It's just such a blessing to my heart and such an encouragement and such a joy. So this week, we are talking about what it means to love your God. And really, this is going to be a two-part series. Um, We're going to talk about why it's two parts here in just a second. Um, But this is a part of what Jesus identified as the great commandment. Um, It's quite important that we ask ourselves, what do I need to do to please God? Maybe you've never asked yourself that question. Maybe that's a question you do know the answer to. But a lot of times, I know for me personally even, I'm asking myself, what do I need to do today to please God? What is God's will for me? Um, What does God really want from me? Sometimes we have this mindset of, Instead, what is the most I can get away with today to not make God angry? Um, Sometimes we find our hearts there. I know I've done that in the past where I'm pushing the boundary on something that I know is not God's will for me or would bring God joy. And I'm asking myself, okay, what is the minimum I could do um, to get on God's good side? Or what is the maximum of this thing that I know God wouldn't want me to do that isn't considered crossing the line? But I think instead we should probably have the mindset of what do I need to do to make God happy? And 
if you're asking yourself that question, I think that means your heart is in the right place because you want to please him and bring him joy and honor. Um, if your heart's not at that place, I would really just be praying for you and encourage you to ask yourself, what kind of response should you naturally have to the man who created you and this entire world and everything in it and loved you so much that he bought you back from your own sin by sacrificing his own son on the cross? I think if we have that mindset moving forward, we're at a place where we're ready to say, okay, what what really can I do to make God happy? What can I do to bring him joy? What can I do to serve him in response for everything that he's done for me? And I think a beginning of an answer to that is found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. If you have a Bible with you, whether it be paper, whether it be electronic, I encourage you to pull it out just because there is such great context on either side of this passage that we won't have time to get into today entirely. But I encourage you to take the time by yourself to get in the word and meditate on it. Again, we're in Matthew chapter 22, starting at verse 34. Here, Jesus is interacting with the Pharisees and Sadducees, two different groups of Jewish communities, and they're testing him and trying to figure out really who this guy is. Is he really who he says he is? Whose authority is he claiming? Is um, this someone they need to be worried about? So in verse 34, they approach him and they say, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Of these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So here's where I get into the detail about how this week we're going to talk about the first part. What does it mean to love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And secondly, next week, we'll talk about what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself. So like I mentioned, how do you love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, with your whole person? What does that look like? Um, As I kind of hash through this question, most of my line of thinking is coming from my marriage because the blueprint for marriage or the the form for marriage that we're to follow is that marriage is an example of Christ and the church with the Christ being represented by the husband and the roles and responsibilities and sacrifices he's called to make and the church being drawn parallel to the wife and her role in the marriage and her devotion to Christ and um, her love for him and it's just such a beautiful illustration. And that's really the one I understand the most of thinking about how we are to love God, how we are to show our respect for him. It's coming from a place of as a wife, how do I show love to my husband? And therefore the parallel of as the body of Christ, how can we show love for God? So just keeping in mind though, that my marriage is between two sinful people, as much as it might not seem that way, as much as it might not seem like Casey and I, you know, ever fight or ever argue as much as it might seem like we're the perfect couple. I'm here to tell you that's not true. And we are both fallen and sinful people. And we both experience days where we're just not right towards one another. And on the flip side, 
loving God is a relationship between a fallen person and our perfect creator. But still, like I mentioned, for all of those reasons in the text, it's clear that marriage is a wonderful example of the kind of love that we can have for God. So in my marriage, what does it mean that I love Casey? First of all, I think when we ask ourselves that question of of what does love mean, especially in a marriage, we probably are triggered to first think of the emotional response. So the feelings of love and of happiness and of joy and of this person never does anything wrong and this person's incredible and this person is all I ever think about and all that kind of stuff. We all think about the emotional feelings of love. That's just what is natural in our society these days as love is defined by the emotion. But I'm here to tell you that that emotional response is not at the basis of the meaning of the word love. If my love for Casey was defined almost solely on how I felt emotionally towards him, you could look at like a I think of like a chart that has a wave on it that goes up and down. And that's exactly what the word love would mean in my marriage. It would be up and down and up and down and up and down. And of course, as time goes on, hopefully those ups and downs are minimized. But the emotional response of love is not very solid. I think anybody who's ever been in any kind of relationship on this earth can agree with me that the emotional definition of love is not the best one to rely on. Instead, I think we should look at outside what the actions of love are. What are the things that I do even when I'm not feeling emotionally just googly-eyed and hear harps and violins in the background? What are the daily application steps? What are the daily actions that I take to still show my love to Casey? I think first and foremost, the thing that um, I want to talk about, I think there's, yeah, there's five here total. The first action of love is acting with the other person in mind. So as I make my plans for the day, as I make my plans for life, as I think about where I want to live one day, as I think about where I'm going in my career, as I think about things that I commit to, always, always, even though I don't do this perfectly, I should be thinking about how it impacts Casey. Not only, um, if he's involved with that, but also how it impacts him, if that makes sense. Not just thinking about, okay, this is how I want to be spending my time this weekend. Will Casey be there? But more so, what would bring Casey life this weekend? I hope that makes sense. I hope you're tracking with me. Um, Is acting with the other person in mind. I mean, even small stuff like grocery shopping, as I'm picking out the granola bars that I'm going to purchase or whatever. Just thinking about him and acting with him in mind, asking myself, will this bring him joy? Am I acting in a loving way in regard to him? Will this bring him life? Not doing something out of spite for him. So that's the first point in my marriage is acting with the other person in mind is how I demonstrate love. Secondly, how I demonstrate love in my marriage is valuing my husband to the point that no other person on this earth is equally as satisfying. So what I mean by that is, of course, in fidelity and in um, remaining faithful to my husband, um, finding him so valuable that those, you know, I would say what other people might deem as other options, if that makes sense, um, of, of looking around and seeing other men, they just don't even seem 
like an option because I find Casey and I find my marriage so valuable. I also think that that can apply to um, even friendships, um, not even valuing other people, my other friends, as much as I value Casey. That's not to say I can't love those around me, my family, my friends. Of course, I love them very, very dearly, but understanding that my marriage with Casey has put him on a different level, has put him on a level where he comes before the other people on this earth. I mean, it was in our vow specifically to forsake all others for that one person, keeping them in mind, finding them so valuable, loving them so much that that vow is almost easy, easier to keep when I find Casey so valuable. Um, the vow is easier to keep. Let me think about how I want to explain that. Um, saying that Casey, I find him so valuable. His love means so much to me. Our marriage is so valuable to me. I find it just so precious that I would never do anything to endanger it. That's how I'd explain that one. Okay, so we've talked about the applicable forms of love in my marriage in terms of acting with the other person in mind and also valuing my marriage so much that nothing else even seems like it could compare. The third action item for love in my marriage is making sacrifices. So of course, <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean um, like big sacrifices as people would think of them. Like I don't have to sacrifice my comfort or sacrifice my joy or anything like that. I'm talking about the daily sacrifices um, that are made and finding them so good in the sense that they bring Casey life that they don't even seem like sacrifices anymore. For example, making his lunch every day as he goes to work. <laughs> Some people might think that that's a silly example, but I mean, that takes time, that takes effort, that takes me um, just putting in that that extra step, um, that, that kind of sacrifice, the kind of sacrifice that says, I could be doing other things with my time, I could be relaxing after dinner, I could be um, enjoying whatever book, I could be talking to whoever I want, I could be X, Y, and Z, but ultimately making the sacrifice of those times to, to really love on him in that way. Um, making sacrifices in our finances. Um, if I was single, my budget would look very different than our marriage, of course, because I have another person who has needs, who has wants and desires, um, who has other hobbies, and that needs to be factored into those plans for our finances as well. Um, making sacrifices in I don't know, movie selection. Um, Casey's a huge fan of the Fast and the Furious. And I know it's not like a take a bullet for Casey's sacrifice, but watching Fast and Furious <laughs> as opposed to, I don't know, a Disney princess movie or um, a romantic comedy or even a historical documentary, in my opinion, is a sacrifice. So keeping in mind also that when you're married, you do make sacrifices and that's not a bad thing. It's a thing that you can do to show love to the other person. Okay. So we've talked about acting with the other person in mind. We've talked about valuing them. We've talked about sacrificing for them. Let's talk about bringing honor to Casey as a sign of love in my marriage. Now that might sound a little traditional or old fashioned for me to say it's my I don't know if duty is the right word. It's more like it's my joy to bring honor to Casey um, in my marriage. But like I said, it might sound old fashioned, but I think it's actually something that is really life-giving. Um, 
it's not like it's my only purpose in life to just accomplish things or um, to hold myself to a certain standard so that Casey may be thought well of. It's not like that's my only um, calling in life, but more so it's like a way that I can bring honor to him. And it's like a way that I can bring joy to him. And it's a way that um, I feel valuable in that my actions impact how Casey is perceived. Um, in Proverbs um, 31, talking about the Proverbs 31 woman, it talks about her being a, a jewel in the crown of her husband. And I think that's a beautiful example. And I think that speaks to the value of women in that their actions and what they choose to do is so important that it reflects on their husband and they have the honor and joy of conducting themselves in a way that would bring honor to them. So that's another way that we get to show our love in marriage. That's a way that I get to show my love for Casey is conducting myself in a way that is polite and poised and um, honoring to God so that it brings honor to him. I hope I'm explaining that right. Finally, in my marriage, a way, an action step to show love, even on the days where I might not emotionally feel love, is finding joy and having fun. So those four things that I talked about previously might sound like a little weighty and like marriage is all about sacrifice and marriage is all about dying to self and marriage is always about thinking of the other person. But on the flip side, it's important to remember that we also get to enjoy one another. We also get to experience some of life's greatest blessings together. Essentially, we are called to find joy in one another and to um, just have those moments of joking with one another and of, of being lighthearted, of being happy together. And that's another way to show love is saving those moments for each other, of savoring those moments with each other, of experiencing just this great excitement and joy. And that's a way to show love. So I'm going to pause here and hope you're tracking with me. I know we have gone on a very twisty, turvy, curvy road together, but this is where we are on the map of this podcast episode. Um, essentially, we are talking about the greatest commandment of loving the Lord our God. And we are looking at, or we just looked at how in marriage, what does that look like? Like what does loving another person look like? And now from here, I want to draw the parallel to how do those action steps and things that I just talked about in my marriage parallel to what love of God means. And that parallel is a fair assumption to make because scripture is very clear in saying that marriage is a wonderful example of the love between the church and God. So buckle up, let's go. So what does it mean now? Finally, let's answer the question. What does it mean to love God? How do the things that I just talked about apply to our relationship with God? First, in my marriage, we talked about acting with the other person in mind. And now we're going to apply that to acting with God in mind. That's a way that we can love him, is keeping him in mind with all of our decisions, whether it be the big ones like what kind of career I should go into, who should I marry, where should I live, all those kinds of things, or whether it be the small things like, I don't know, what am I going to do with my spare time today? Um, how am I going to... Um, 
bring God glory and honor today? What am I going to do at work? Who am, what am I going to say to this friend? Who am I going to share the gospel with? Essentially, acting with God in mind, thinking about how our actions impact our relationship with him is a way that we can love him every day. So essentially, we don't have to, I want to make the clarification, we don't have to work to please him. Like It's not like I have to um, do any number of things, X, Y, or Z, um, and treat it that way. Treat it like I have to do these things to make God happy. More so say, okay, what could I do to bring him glory because I know that my actions have consequences? So essentially, is what I'm deciding to do with my time on a minute-by-minute basis bringing me closer to him or not? Is it bringing him honor or not? Is what I'm doing, what I'm listening to, what I'm watching, what I'm filling my time with, is that impacting him for the my relationship with him for the better or not? And if it's not, it's probably taking me further away from him. So, I mean, practical stuff, like how can I love God with how I spend my time? Do I spend my time in the word or do I spend my time mindlessly scrolling through whatever social media? And I mean, that one, I am saying it because it's a huge conviction in my heart. I just spend so much time um, on social media and scrolling through stuff that isn't even relevant or useful or productive instead of spending time with God in prayer. Um, But working on that, drawing near to him in those times, drawing near to him in a worship song, drawing near to him as I make big life decisions, as I think about um, how I want to spend my free time, how I want to bring honor and glory to him. That's one way that I can love God. That's one way we can all love God is acting with him in mind. Second, in my marriage, I talked about the importance of valuing Casey in my marriage um, above any other earthly relationship. And that applies to our relationship with God as well. And that applies to loving him. So what do we find more valuable than God? We all know the right answer. The right answer is nothing. But we all know that that's not always how our heart responds. Um something that is always a huge heart check for me is when we're praying that God would come quickly or Jesus come quickly, bring your, your kingdom here to earth. Um, take you, those kinds of prayers where we're, we're wanting God to come now. Sometimes when we pray those prayers, I feel a little tug in my heart of, but God, could you just wait until I fill in the blank? For example, before I got married, sometimes I would think to myself, oh man, like I do want God to come, but what if he comes before I get married? Or let's see, um, I guess now you could say maybe having kids or taking a vacation to a certain place that you really want to travel and see. Um, Unfortunately, those things do come to our hearts sometimes, but we can work on those things. We can work on valuing God and loving him to the extent that those thoughts of our heart become less and less. That as time goes on, as we pray about them, as we seek God more and more, we can pray and um, we can hopefully get to a point with God's help alone where we become more and more satisfied with him than any other thing on this earth so that nothing is more appealing than spending time with him or with him coming again. So that was the second thing we talked about was finding value in them. The third thing in marriage, we talked about sacrifice. And now let's talk about sacrifice in our relationship with God and how we can use that to show 
love to him. Um, when we think of sacrifice, maybe we think of like monetary sacrifice, like offerings or tithes. And those are good. Those are valuable. But we also can't forget the sacrifice of our time, of our attention, and of our talents. Are we using our time and our talents for ourselves? Like to bring honor and glory to ourselves, to lift ourselves up? Are we trying to become the best, I don't know, like painter in the world or the most influential person on social media? Or are we trying to be well-liked for our own glory? Or are we using our time and our platforms and our attention for God's glory? Are we using the things we've been given for ourselves or for God? That's one big sacrifice that we can make. Another sacrifice, of course, is obeying God's word. It's not easy and it's not always what we, excuse me, want to do. It's not always our first preference to, I don't know, um, love our neighbor as, well, I mean, we're going to talk about more about that. Um, it's not always our first preference, let's say, to save sex for marriage. It's not always our first preference to um, give up a certain amount of our money. It's not always our first preference to obey God when it comes to listening to what is written in his word and what he says in terms of caring for the poor, in terms of caring for those who might be alienated um, from society, um, in terms of things that we're called to do that might make us unpopular or um, seem weird, um, <laughs> you know, to not partake in um, some of the things and behaviors that the world has adopted that as Christians were called to refrain from. Um, it's not always popular to live for God instead of to live for self. There's sacrifice that's involved in living according to God's commandments. But following those sacrifices is a way that we can love him. Item number four, we've talked about loving God through thinking or make or acting with him in mind with valuing him with making sacrifices for him let's talk about bringing honor to God as a way to love him so like I talked about in my marriage um I have the joy and honor of the fact that my actions impact how others view Casey and that's what happens also in our relationship with God as Christians, as followers of Christ, especially as um, publicly identified Christians, is that we need to keep in mind that our actions impact how other people view God. And that can be a good thing and a bad thing. Of course, there are many, many things and many, many hurtful words that have been said in the name of Christ to other people. And those don't bring honor and glory to God. That's not how God calls us to represent his kingdom here on earth. We're called to love those that are outcast, love those that have less than us, love others that um, we might not agree with, love others that we might not um, otherwise, um, let me think how I should, that we might not otherwise agree with, that we might otherwise just um, not even think of, um, but we have the opportunity to bring honor to God by thinking of those that don't get thought of, if that makes sense, whether it be the poor, the elderly, um, the sick. Um, we have the opportunity to bring honor and glory to God by bringing his love to his people here on this earth, by 
being helpful, by being kind, by being open to even conversation, by being um, just very thoughtful and very um, conscientious of how our words impact other people. We have the ability to bring kindness into the world, to bring honor and glory to God, which I think we'll go into more detail next week as we talk about the second part of the great commandment, um, loving our neighbor. I think we'll have the opportunity really to, to hit that home, but I'm hoping that's making some sense. So we've talked about loving God by acting with him in mind, by valuing him, by sacrificing for him, by bringing honor to him. Finally, let's talk about the last point I mentioned as I talked about in my marriage, finding joy, finding happiness, keeping in mind that those four things that we talked about previously aren't the only like um, way to love God. Like It's not like our love for God is supposed to be like painful or difficult or like have this negative connotation around it but our love for God can also be filled with joy be filled with hope in those moments where we are just so happy and so thankful whether it be at a major life event whether it be at the birth of a child whether it be at getting into the school that we wanted to get into whether it be being in a wonderful place in nature and just being so happy to experience God, whether it be on our wedding day, finding joy in those moments and in those moments, pressing into God and just saying, God, thank you. You are here with me today is a way that we can love him. Um, Just the other day I was, (laughs) you're going to find this funny, just the other day I was in my car and it was just a good day. I mean, things were going well, things were getting taken care of. Um, I was just so thankful for God's provision that I was like screaming a worship song. Um, It's a song, I don't even know who it's by, but it's called Mountaintops. And we heard it on our Wyoming backpacking trip quite a bit in the car. And um, I was just like screaming that song with the windows down. And in those moments, just pausing and just thinking of God and saying, wow, like God, you are here. You brought me to this moment. You are orchestrating these things together for my good and for your glory. (sighs) It just brings me like joy even talking about it. That's a way that we can love God. So I hope I did this topic some justice. I hope you're tracking with me. I know we kind of went to a bunch of different places in the conversation of what it means to love God, but I hope that (laughs) there was some organization and there was some tracking with me and um, that you're kind of getting a picture of it. I don't think I could do this topic justice. And I think there's so much more conversation to be had about how we can show our love for God. But I just really wanted to put some some meat on an otherwise kind of abstract saying that we think of all the time where we say, oh yeah, like that person loves God or that person loves Jesus. But really taking a moment to pause and ask ourselves, what could that really mean? I don't think this is like the end all be all five things you have to do to love God. But I think these are five great ways to get started to begin the conversation and to start talking about what it means to love God. So next week, we'll jump into the second part of the commandment that was found in Matthew 22 when Jesus says, love your neighbor. Um, I'm excited to talk about what that means. And who knows, we might follow the same format of how we can love our neighbor um, with those kind of five, five points. Um, but I don't know. I don't want to commit to something that I don't know is actually going to happen. We'll just see how it goes. Be praying for me as we get ready for next week's podcast. Um, with that being said, I am going to wrap this part of the show up and we are going to jump into answering some of your questions. 
All right, I hope you enjoyed that fancy interlude. Let's jump into Q&A on the Sage podcast. So this first question came to me on my email, which made me happy because I had very few emails coming into my email. And so I was like, am I just telling people the wrong address? And are they emailing someone else with all of their important questions? But no, I have quelched that fear due to this question. So someone sent me an email and asked, in your life, when you have gone through a dark period, what has been a verse that has helped you through? So my answer to this question is usually when I'm going through a difficult time or a dark time in my life, it's because I'm doubting God's love or his plan for me. So I get to this point where um, for some reason, I mean, it could be kind of involved with the circumstances, but um Usually it's just that I'm not spending enough time in God's word or in prayer and drawing near to him and hearing his truth that I start believing a lie that I'm not good enough for God, um, that I feel far away from him, that I feel like he doesn't want anything to do with me. He doesn't have a plan for my life. He could care less than what I, than what happens to me, that I'm just nothing to him, which I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it is true. We should be humble to the point of understanding that God doesn't need us or rely on us, but we also need to know the truth of the fact that God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. So during those times, I find the words of Jesus um, from John chapter six, verses 35 through 40 to be very helpful. He's talking about being the bread of life and um, not losing a single one that the father has given him. And that is just such a refresher for my heart because hearing that truth, knowing that God gave me to Jesus and that Jesus won't lose me is just, I mean, that just quelches any lies I might be listening to. That for me is just so powerful. I just have the image of Jesus not only like holding me um, in his arms and like wrapping himself around me to like defend me, but I almost have this image of like, a big explosion and like Jesus throwing himself over me to protect me um, because he's not going to lose me. I mean, how often do we feel like our life is an explosion? I mean, for me, I feel that way quite frequently. (laughs) Maybe you don't ever struggle with that, but it's easy to feel like the troubles of life are so chaotic and our burdens are just so much, but just remember that Jesus isn't going to lose us. He's He's holding on, he's defending us, and he's protecting us. Um, it just gives me so much encouragement. Question number two comes from the Instagram. On the Instagram, one second while I pull this up. On Instagram, someone asked um, for recommendations for books in the Bible to study. Um, they um, learned some new Bible study methods, which Maybe I'll talk about that sometime. It would be good to, to talk about different Bible study methods and how they're helpful. But um, anyway, they just learned some new Bible study methods and they were looking for some recommendations on which books to study. So I have a couple recommendations from the New Testament, the Gospels, and the Old Testament. In the New Testament, um, some shorter books that are really easy to kind of get through and understand the purpose and not get lost in. Um, not to say that we should avoid challenging books, but I think it can be helpful to kind of start with bite-sized pieces. Um, first and Second Timothy. In these books, Paul is writing to his companion, his um, 
it's not like really maybe Timothy was a student, you could say, but kind of like his co-worker, Timothy. Um, at this point, Paul is imprisoned and in eventually in 2 Timothy, he's about to be executed. And the words that he writes to Timothy are his final words, which I mean, I would think what I know about Paul would be that his final words are going to be very important and very weighty. And they're very, very, very encouraging his words to Timothy. And they're almost heartbreaking too, to like read and be like, oh my gosh, like these are Paul's final words. Like my heart breaks for Paul because he's sitting imprisoned and about to be executed. But anyway, as he writes to Timothy, he encourages him to endure in the ministry, to persevere for the gospel and to discern against false teachers. And I think these messages and the details that Paul goes into in First and Second Timothy apply to our culture today in terms of enduring, in terms of persevering, and in terms of discerning. In the Gospels, um, I would recommend starting with the book of Luke. Um, what I really enjoy about the book of Luke is Luke was a physician, so he's very matter-of-fact, and he's very... Um, uh, like he tells it to you kind of point blank and there's a bunch of parables in the book of Luke, more parables than any of the other gospels. And as challenging as they are and as much of a knife in the heart that they are that just twists into my soul sometimes and really convicts me or challenges me, I find the parables to be really helpful. Finally, in the Old Testament, a book I would recommend is Esther. And the incredible thing about the book of Esther is um, God is not mentioned by name in the book of Esther, yet it's very clear that God's hand is at work in Esther's life. And in that book, we learn the story of Queen Esther and how without her, the Jews would have been wiped out and the line of David would not have continued and we would not have had the Jesus of the Gospels in New Testament. So, I just am really encouraged by that book. Again, it's another bite-sized one as opposed to like starting in Leviticus, which is chapters and chapters of Old Testament law or <laughs> um, any of the other books. Esther is a great place to get started. So that goes, like I want to put a disclaimer on those recommendations though, is that I think that all of scripture of course is very important. It's all God breathed. It's all accurate. It's all usable for teaching and encouragement and reproof um, and I mean, the ultimate goal, my ultimate recommendation would to be to read all of the books in the Bible, but maybe those are some places that you could get started. So I encourage you, please, I would love to hear your questions. I would love to answer them. I would love to send you a free sticker in the mail. Like I mentioned, check me, check out the podcast on Instagram at the Save Podcast. Send me an email at thesavepodcast at gmail.com. I will answer your questions. Usually I answer them via email, um, unless they're super long, then I just wait to answer them on the podcast, but I'll for sure write you back. I'll for sure make sure that you get a little something in the mail. And I just want you to know that I appreciate your support and love and encouragement so much. So that concludes the week or episode nine. I will see you next week where we talk about loving your neighbor. <laughs>